This is episode four of The Love Noteworthy Show. Welcome to The Love Noteworthy Show, the guide to leading your life with passion, purpose, perspective, and prosperity. Each week, we feature entrepreneurs, influencers, game changers, and change makers who provide powerful strategies for creating a remarkable first impression that leaves a lasting impact in your business, career, community, and personal life. So come join us as we transform your mindset and teach you the lessons you want and need to become Love Noteworthy. Welcome back, everyone, to the show. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Reese, and I have a question for you. Would love to hear your responses in the comments below. So my question for you today is, when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Was it a model? Was it an actress? Was it a dancer, an astronaut, a police officer, a firefighter, a lawyer? For me, what I really wanted to be and still do to this day is a politician. And I truly believe that being able to affect change, give back to the community that you are a part of is the biggest service that you can do in your lifetime. So one day it will happen. But for now, and this conversation is not about me at all. It is all about our guest today. Her name is Colette Davis. And from a very young age, she has aspired to become an Indy 500 racer. And this is a very incredible story. And let me tell you why. So the Indy 500 race originated, I believe the first race was in 1911. And that's all fine and well. But the thing is, is that women were not allowed to actually be on the racetrack or be part of the cockpit or be part of the racing teams at all. And this didn't change until 1971. So yes, 60 years later. And at that time, it wasn't until about five years later in 1976 that the first female was able to qualify to race in the Indy 500. And since then, there's only been a handful, maybe eight or nine women that have actually qualified to get into the Indy 500 race. So Colette is on a mission to do something that no other woman has ever done before in a severely male-dominated industry. She is a smart, incredible young woman that completed a mechanical engineering degree, again, very male-dominated degree uh, in today's marketplace. And Essentially, she is the epitome of beauty and brains, and we're going to talk to her today about her journey to getting to the Indy 500, how she was able to secure a reality TV show called Chasing Indy, all about her experiences with pursuing her dream. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the importance of sponsorship, and most importantly, clarifying what you want, how to stay focused on the task at hand, and really get after what your dreams are. And she is so focused, has the most laser focus out of any person I've ever talked to. And you'll really see that during the interview. And so with that, I am going to make like Rihanna and shut up and drive this interview home. I hope you enjoy. Let us know what you wanted to be when you grew up and if you've actually become it today, as well as the challenge at the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And here is our interview number four with Colette Davis.
Welcome back to the Love Noteworthy Podcast. I'm your host, Reese, and today I have a very special guest. She is a young, talented woman that is making her mark in the indie race car circuit, and her name is Colette Davis. Hi, Colette. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to be talking about you. Like, There's so few women in your industry, and it's just going to be a really awesome show. Um, before we get started, for the audience, I'm going to give you everybody a little brief introduction into Colette. She is an exceptional young woman. So Colette is not an average American race drive car driver. She is pursuing <laughs> the IndyCar series, and she's also the co-founder of a few apps, including one called Tech Drive. She is a Draper University of Heroes alumni, and on a large scale, truly representing the dreams of young women to compete in traditionally a male-dominated profession. And I know the listeners would love to know about how you first kind of started your journey of being a female indie light racer. Like, how did you start off when you were younger? Where did you find the passion? What kind of challenges did you face to get where you are today? Yeah, well, I mean, how I started off, I was definitely in a non-traditional way um, compared to a lot of race car drivers where you no know, one in my family was into racing. You know, most race car drivers, maybe their dad was a former you know, F1 driver, IndyCar driver, but um, my passion for motorsports came really organically. You know, I started working on cars, trucks, and taking apart lawnmowers when I was you know, 11 years old, and you know, eventually that grew to more of a passion, and I found out later on about the sport of go-kart racing. Uh, most drivers started in go-kart, and uh, that was where my passion for actual racing started. Oh, that's really cool. I've never race car driven, or sorry, go-karted before, but I've always wanted to, but I'm kind of a baby. <laughs> hey, they have the rentals in almost every state, so you should go check it out. The, the rentals are a little bit different than the ones that you know you race competitively, yeah. uh, but it's a, it's a ton of fun. <laughs> so how did you go from doing go-karting to seriously being like, okay, I actually want to be an indie car racer like how do I make this happen where do I get sponsorships like where do I get a vehicle vehicle from how do I train like how did all of that come about yeah yeah I mean my biggest thing once I realized look I love this I want to make this my career um I at the time I was in Colorado so you know not a big hub for racing or a race car drivers to be and the time I was also in high school so I realized number one I need to move somewhere that races that has racing as a hub. It's a good spot for it. There's a lot going on. Um, so in order for me to do that, I had to excel in school. I had to graduate from high school two years early when I was 16 and moved to Florida where I got a scholarship to start school for engineering. Um, and then I knew by starting school for engineering, I can not only work on my degree, but also pursue racing professionally in an area where it's more popular. Oh, that's crazy. So how did you go about, like, accelerating your uh, high school to finish two years early? Uh, having no social life is the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was basically, I was doing normal high school from, like, 7 a.m. to noon, and then I would get on a bus and go to a local college from noon to about 8.30 at night, um, they let me do some, I got um, approval from my president or principal uh, to do college courses, which is pretty rare, but somehow my counselor and I convinced them that this is what I need to do, and I also was taking online classes. 
So I did not have a big social life, but, you know, one year of that, and it was completely worth it to graduate early. That's crazy. So where did you find that discipline to kind of cut out of your social life? Like, I know even in your 20s, like, obviously when you're a teenager, it's kind of a high priority, I would say, to want to, like, hang out with friends and, like, do whatever and get into shenanigans. So, like, how did you become so focused at such a young age? Yeah, I, I just, I knew what I wanted, and I feel you, and that's, that's what is the main driver in everything that I do, is that I know what, I'm, what my passion is, I know that I want to do that, and um, it's it pushed me and motivated me to, you know, graduate early and, and work extra hard to excel at something and, and really push myself. Okay, so after you graduated early and relocated, how did you get kind of your foot in the door to do the competitive racing? The biggest thing was sponsorship. Um, you know, that was throughout my entire career, and even still now is the biggest challenger to get over. I mean, even the go-karts, you know, I'm racing against some kids that are spending $100,000 a year in go-karts. Like, they're not even in cars yet. Uh, so the biggest thing for me to learn was, hey, how do I take my career as a race car driver, as a business, I need to fundraise, I need to work with different partners. And my first corporate sponsor happened my first year going to school at Embry-Riddle for mechanical engineering. Um, I went up to the wife, told her what I was doing and how, you know, I thought I could bring a lot of value to the students at the school by bringing engineers and taking them on the race track where they can actually apply what they're doing. And 10 minutes later, she introduced me to the president of the university. I talked to him for 10 minutes and got my first sponsor. Um, so that was definitely the first hurdle to get over in pursuing racing professionally. That's crazy. So you were doing a mechanical engineering degree and, like, working on becoming a competitive, like, professional racer. How did you balance that? For me, the two really go hand in hand. I mean, I need to learn as much as I can while I'm outside of the car as possible so that when I get inside of a car, I can make the most of my time. Uh, A lot of being the fastest on the track, yeah, it's your driving, but it's also your driving and how you communicate with your engineer. Um, to say you're talking about the fastest. So really, I every time I was in school, I was just applying my studies right back to the racetrack and how it's going to make me a better driver. That's amazing. And I mean, like, just doing an engineering degree period is no small feat. So <laughs> that's like... Yeah, it was, it was definitely a lot of work. <laughs> it, was, it was worth it. And like, again, I, I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wanted my end goal to be. And um, that's what helped push me. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about um, your love of racing, and you mentioned that you kind of turned it into a business. So I know that you have been working on some other apps, including Tech Drive. Can you tell us a little bit about Tech Drive? Yeah, so Tech Drive is uh, a new news site covering the intersection of tech and transport um, that I launched with my co-founders, Hermione Way and Sir Khan. And um, basically, you know, it's a really popular niche area that's coming up when you look at the Uber or the Lyft, mm-hmm. um, all the Teslas, you know, green car technology. Um, really, there, there's a lot to cover in just that intersection of technology and transport. 
sport, um, whether it's auto or any type of travel-related topic. Um, so we really just got together one day and was like, hey, Tech Drive is an amazing name. We can be really niche and cover awesome content and build a brand from that. Um, so we only just launched Tech Drive about a week and a half ago. So it, it's pretty new, but it's going awesome. That's amazing. I love, like, kind of like you said, there's all these new, I didn't really think about it that way, but all these, like, great technologies to do with transportation, like Uber. Like, I'm down in Los Angeles right now, and... I mean, I had not heard about it until I came down here, and things like Uber and Lyft are freaking amazing. Like, such an Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the entire, you know, topic of transportation is being flipped on its head right now, and those companies, Uber, Lyft, Flywheel, Sidecar, you know, they're all at the forefront of that, and, you know, Detroit is really moving to Silicon Valley. I mean, Nissan, GM, they're all setting up innovation labs here in Silicon Valley, and um, it's a it's a great space to be at, you know, covering and building a brand around that. And especially with me as a race car driver, I'm really wanting to focus on just the innovation and tech that's going into the automotive industry. That's awesome. So what drives your inspiration, would you say? What drives my inspiration? I mean, I would just still say knowing what I want, you know, for anyone, knowing what you want, you know, what your vision of an end goal is and realizing, yeah, it's going to take a lot of work to get there, but once you're there, it'll be all worth it. And that's, that's really what drives me. That's great. I think like, I don't know if this is to overgeneralize, but a lot of times with women too, like, I think we know what we want, but we're afraid to say it out loud or be like assertive about it. Um, so it's yeah. it's really great that you're being a role model in that realm, like not only with just like putting it out there and kind of declaring it to the world, but also like putting in everything you possibly can, like beating out the odds against other guys in both like the race car circuit and also like obviously doing mechanical engineering. There's a very small portion of women that actually do that as a degree. And it's just, yeah, yeah it's really cool to see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not only just, saying, hey, I want this or I'm going to do that, but it's also accepting that you're probably going to hear no a lot and being okay with that. You know, you're going to not get there overnight and it's going to be a really long battle and you know, that's something that I've over time real, you know, accepted as fact and use uh, that keep pushing you. That's amazing. So on that note, um, I know that you currently are just in the works for filming a new docu-reality TV series called Chasing Indie that's going to be launching in 2015. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how it came about? Yeah, so Chasing Indie, you know, I, I've wanted to, for the past few years, just in my endeavors and, you know, trying to make it big in the racing industry, wanted to showcase what it's really what does it really take to get to the top in IndyCar, the top of Formula One. Um, and I think I can definitely provide a unique success, you know, perspective being one of the only females in the world that's pursuing this stuff. And, you know, with Chasing Indy is going to follow my life on and off the racetrack. So some of what I'm doing in Silicon Valley. And it should be really exciting. We're going to try and throw in some fun car stunts here and there to uh, <laughs> make it a little more an adrenaline junkie show so it should be really fun yeah I think I saw a preview of you just like trying out different kind of adrenaline thriving 
things that are non-race car or like other people trying out race car driving and you in exchange trying out like what they're do what they do yeah no it's always fun we're gonna hopefully have a lot of cool stuff for the show next year and also provide a really unique uh, perspective on this industry that's awesome so with the docu-reality series like was it kind of your idea did it originate from that or was somebody like oh this would be super awesome if you um did this like let's figure out how to make it happen well it's definitely you know something that I've been pushing and wanting to create and I finally found like a partner that could help me create this but you know over the past couple of years I, I've been approached by MTV or BBC and mm-hmm. you know it's a unique story it's a unique perspective and people want to capture that um but it's definitely I've been looking for the right partners to go forward with that oh cool and there's been some other opportunities too. Like I know you were featured on like the cover of fashion or like, <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's like, yeah, it's fashion magazine. Yeah. yeah. It's agent. How was that experience of just getting all dolled up and like posing for a magazine cover? Oh, it was just amazing. Like I, I'm definitely, you know, a girly girl off the racetrack. I mean, my, iPhone right now has the most insane sparkly cover on it in the whole world. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, that, that fashion shoot was definitely a big jump for me. Cause I, had, I had never done anything that focused more on my feminine side and not, you know, my masculine male dominating industry woman player <laughs> side. Um, yeah. so it was really fun. And I, I love being all dolled up. It was an incredible experience. I worked with an amazing crew at Fashion Magazine and had a great time. That's awesome. What did your friends and family think when it came out? They were definitely surprised. Um, <laughs> I definitely have never done like any swimsuit photo shoot before. Uh, so it was the first. And, um, but they, they loved it. I mean, it was definitely incredible, incredible exposure. Um, you know, they're in all Barnes Nobles across the U.S. and in some locations internationally. And um, funniest thing is that I didn't even know I had the cover. Like, I had no idea what I was walking into because um, I thought I was going to be featured in one of their pages. And um, the editor, Elizabeth, just told me right when I got there that, hey, you're going to be on the cover, so do a good job. <laughs> so, And I hadn't, like, practiced or anything or, you know, took modeling classes. So it was definitely learning a lot at once, but it was awesome. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, do you have any tips for female entrepreneurs on how they can kind of, like, catch their big, big breaks, so to speak? Or do you even believe in, like, people being able to catch their big breaks? Or do you think that you really have to pursue them? Um, I'm a true believer that, you know, there's no such thing as an overnight success. Uh, um, definitely over years in success. Uh, but, that, but from that, you know, you can eventually touch your big break. And for me, you know, I always say the biggest thing is staying tenacious and, you know, staying hungry and always remembering uh, what you want and what you want your outcome to be and stay focused on that. Do you have any tips for how you can get noticed in your industry? Like, obviously, you're unique in that you're a woman in a traditionally male-dominated industry, but is there anything that's, like, worked for you to really stand out? (laughs) I think just focus on, I think, what you're passionate about and, you know, what makes you different. I mean, if there is something that really makes you different, 
then you know don't be shy about it and raise it and figure out if there's a way to incorporate that into your brand as an individual. That's great. That's great. Okay, so to switch gears a bit here, I'm going to pull out some really cheesy driving cliches, but on the road <laughs> to success, um, there's always going to be bumps and turns and obstacles along the way. Do you have um, any stories that you can share with our listeners of challenges that you've faced and overcome? Yeah, I mean, the biggest challenge for me in my entire career has just been, you know, financially. I mean, I'm I'm practicing, I'm pursuing one of the most expensive sports to pursue in the entire world. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I come from a background, my parents are in the military. Even from racing goat carts, I really had to learn how to turn my career into a business um, in order to get sponsors, to get investors like I'm doing now. Um, you know, I've been going, I'm not only one of the few females, but most of my competitors are, you know, backed by millionaires or billionaires type story. Um, and that's my biggest challenge, but, you know, my take on that was turning myself as a professional athlete into a company and taking a different perspective on raising money. Um, so still, still working on that now, but it's definitely taught me a lot. Hmm, interesting. So do you have, um, you've talked a little bit about this, but do you have any tips on how people can stay productive when they're trying to balance multiple projects or passions? Uh, I'd say the biggest thing is just figure out how you work yourself. Um, you know, if if you're better off focusing for your different projects, saying Monday is this one, Tuesday is this one, Wednesday is this one, or even during the day having a time allotment for certain projects, do that. You know, for me, the biggest thing that's helped me is really just being more organized in my life and having my three major projects every day, a to-do list, and moving forward from there. Mm, okay. That's awesome. Um, I know that, like, obviously there's people that are probably pre- surprised by your profession when they first meet you. Do you have any tips on how to make a really good first impression when meeting prospective sponsors or business partners for people that are looking? Yeah, uh, be confident. Um, I'd say that's definitely the biggest one. It definitely shows to the people that you're meeting. And be confident and be honest because I think if you're you're saying stuff that you don't necessarily believe in or maybe not so much of the truth, that can show as well. That's awesome. I love it. So tell us... um, (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about the process of like how, I know we were talking about this off air, but how does one become like, or get into an Indy 500 race? Biggest thing is have the experience behind you. I mean, in, in all sports, as you move up, whether it's basketball or football, you move up to different leagues and IndyCar for me is that top league. You know, I, I'm pursuing the Indy Light Series for next year, which is the last step before you enter IndyCar. And from there, you just need experience and some financial backing, and you can qualify for the Indy 500. That's amazing. How many racers participate in it? Or how many seats are there? Three. Oh, okay, okay. And do you mm-hmm. find, is there, like, I, I'm not familiar with the industry that much, so are there a lot of people that are contending for those seats? Yeah, I mean, there's not, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, but it's definitely the top race drivers in the world that are vying for a seat to compete in the Indy 500. So you get talent from, you know, even 
last year, this past year, we had you know talent from NASCAR come over and try to buy for a seat, or you know former Formula One drivers trying to be in the Indy 500. So it, it's really the cream of the crop from motorsports that go to compete there. Hmm. And again, I, I'm sorry, I'm totally naive about the industry, but what is the no, you're fine. <laughs> what is the difference between like the Indy 500 versus NASCAR versus Formula One? Well, the Indy 500 is with IndyCar, um, which is, is its own sanctioned series, and then, then you know NASCAR is more the stock car looking ones with the with the bodies on the sides, and Formula One is essentially it's almost like the international version of IndyCar. So instead of going to different states in the U.S. and Canada like IndyCar does, you're going to do different countries and different cities in those countries every other week. Oh wow! Okay. Um, what made you decide on pursuing, like, the Indy 500 as opposed to, like, Formula One or NASCAR? Well, one, being American and having IndyCar be based in the U.S. is definitely, you know, one of the first things that got IndyCar on my radar. And you know, for me, I love the environment there. I love the competition at IndyCar. Um, I think it's an amazing series, which with a lot of potential to grow my brand as an athlete in the U.S. Now, I'm not saying that not ruling Formula One out at all, so that could absolutely be a goal um, over the coming years once I've made it to IndyCar and maybe start looking to do some international racing. Oh, that's amazing. Um, do you have any tips on how women can be, I don't know if, like, saying being taken seriously is, like, the right way to describe it, but just, like, obviously I'm sure there's some sort of bias um, whether good or bad for you in the industry. So can you talk a little bit about your experience about that or just ways in which you've really kind of owned it in your industry? Yeah, I think for me, you know, the biggest thing is when I was younger, I was oblivious. I think I was so lucky to be oblivious because I didn't pay attention to, oh, hey, I'm the only girl you know, riding a BMX bike, trying to do flips down this giant hill with all the guys in the neighborhood, or I'm the only girl that <clears throat> go kart racing right now. Um, so I was lucky in that sense because I kept pursuing it. I kept doing what I like, which I think nowadays a lot of girls shy away from things if they think, you know, hey, it looks like I shouldn't be doing this, or hey, there's not other women doing this. Um, so one, I think I was lucky to be oblivious growing up, um, and two. Over time, you know, there was a point in time where you know I maybe would just wear all black to the racetrack and you know, not do my hair and not do anything to myself, try and look really guyish. Um, but now I just own it. I mean, I think it's definitely what makes me different and people like different or unique things. And why not just be myself? And um, I've definitely experienced a lot more success doing that. Oh, I love that. And like, as soon as you're confident and who you are, right? And just like self-aware, it helps so much because suddenly it's like you just don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> You're like, I just gonna do this for me, like not for anybody else. You know what I mean? And it gives you so much more confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Because even if you're, if you're trying to, like, like I was trying to make sure I dressed extremely down around the racetrack, I mean, that's not being myself. Clearly, that's me not being confident. Um, and I, I do believe that reflects in my work, whether it's racing or whether it's other women in engineering or in entrepreneurship, any of that. Um, I, I think it really affects your work ethics and how you work. 
That's amazing. All right. Well, I just have one final question for you that we ask all of the people that are interviewed on the show. So um, my final question is, what is your number one tip for others on how they can be more love note worthy in their business and lives? To stay tenacious. I mean, I think if you can consistently year up year stay tenacious and hungry for what you're doing, then you'll absolutely be love note worthy. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, thank you so much, Colette. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your crazy schedule to chat today. And uh, I know this uh, recording will be going out later, but it actually is Labor Day. So thank you for chatting with me on a holiday. <laughs> But, <laughs> no worries. It was great. Thanks for having me. Great. Um, before we sign off on this episode today, um, I typically will have a challenge for the listeners. So my challenge today is tell us uh, one way that you can show or demonstrate your unique self in your industry um, and definitely get involved in the conversations below. We'd love to know kind of what your unique selling proposition or your uniqueness factor about yourself is. Um, so we can share that and celebrate it with the community. So with that, thank you so much again, Colette. Uh, this has been another great episode of the Love Noteworthy Show. And for all of you, have a fantastic week. Um, and I'm sending you lots of love and gratitude. So thanks a lot, everyone. 